Hey there, I'm Amadal Yakbar, and this is See Something, Say Something, the BuzzFeed podcast where we drink tea, tell stories, and talk about being Muslim in America. This week, we're going to be talking about fandom and fan culture around things like TV shows, comic books, and movies. And yes, there will be spoilers, so watch out. It's pretty light, though. If you see something, you better, you better say something. Nothing at all, nothing at all. So today we'll be playing a special fandom edition of Halal or Not. Then I'm going to be giving a quick khutbah about New York City Comic Con and Ms. Marvel. And then finally we'll talk about pop culture representation. We're going to be dropping a lot of names of different characters and TV shows in this episode. So I put together a post sort of giving more information and some visuals of all the things we're talking about. You can go to the See Something, Say Something page on BuzzFeed.com, buzzfeed.com slash see something, say something, and there'll be a visual aid for you there that can help you out. This week, I'm joined by Abed Anwar, who is a senior social media editor at BuzzFeed, and Bim Adewanmi, who is a senior culture writer at BuzzFeed News. Hey, guys. Hey. hey. How's it going? It's going Good. great. Glad to be here. <laughs> Okay, so next up, we're going to be doing See Something, Say Something, just a segment where we're just going to check in on each of our guests and ask them what they're thinking about this week. Abid, what are you thinking about this week? So this week, a lot of people have been talking about Westworld and how it compares to like how it's new Lost, and so I've been thinking about the TV show Lost, and it's my problematic favorite. There's uh, actually um, a Muslim character in that that has this one scene. His name is Saeed. Oh, the uh, Naveen oh, Andrews character. Yeah, I can go yeah, yeah. on his character for a while. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty complex character, but like randomly they decide, remember that like he's Muslim and they like oh, okay. had a scene where like he's on a boat and he's like about to maybe die and then he decides to pray, but he prays in the most awkward way like, so, ever. Like, you know what's interesting stiff. is I've never ever watched that episode, but enough Muslims have told me about it because I remember when we were watching Homeland and Damien uh, Thingy's character prayed. Oh, and no, completely on halal. Uh, pure haram. But anyway. I will, I will not watch that show. Never. But I, watched, I watched the first one, but I remember watching when he prayed. And I was like, what is wrong with his arms? So wrong. It was so stiff and wrong. And I was like, sir, no one prays like that. And no one goes, Allah Akbar. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one ever speaks Arabic like that when they pray, ever. Allahu Akbar. Rab and most people say it like in their head, you know, like, like you would recite it sort of. Yeah, also, let's yeah. not forget he was Iraqi, but played by I think Indian. He's isn't he? He's British Indian. He's British yeah, Indian. Yeah, he's yeah, British yeah, Indian. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of times in in big large casts, it's like where you're most likely to find like a Muslim cast member or somebody who have like is brown and or somebody who's black the Muslim and somebody who's like LGBT or Muslim. Like you're gonna find a lot of times they're just the Muslim character versus like being a full fledged character, right? right? They have very right. few characteristics outside of outside of being. Muslim. That's it. And My whole it, issue it, with Saeed was that he wasn't developed as he was like developed as a character, yeah. and then they remembered he was Muslim, and they made him pray right. as a way to like show his Muslim identity. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? everything you watch, it's yeah, even even in the night of like. So okay, so the night of is an eight episode uh, miniseries that HBO did recently, starring Riz Ahmed. So the show centers on this murder of this young girl who lives on the Upper West Side. 
and he was the last person to to be with her and his muslim background becomes a big part of the show or the main focus of the show because you know all the weird associations with like muslim men and muslim people in america and just the girl who was murdered was a white woman so it becomes this whole like racial political thing he becomes corrupted by like all his like new black friends and it's like a really weird really really weird take on it but it's like if from like my perspective it's like a really good takedown of like south asian like relationship to like blackness because the creators were white i don't think they were doing it on purpose so it just becomes <laughs> this like really weird thing accidental accidental goodness. right so for me it's like wow this is very similar because it's like he's blaming his problems now and his situation which happens to be suddenly because he has like you know black friends who are also his like prison mates right oh it just goes back to okay he's like the muslim character and like this all comes out to discrimination but who is he? I don't know. I don't think we ever know. At the end, like even by the end of the show, it's like he's just this guy who happened to be in a bad situation. But yeah, I don't know. Right. Uh, Bim, what are you thinking about this week? This week, last week, probably next week, Solange, her album A Seat at the Table. Um, I think it came out in October. Um, since it came out, I've been unable to listen to anything else. I am blown away by her artistry. This album, four years in the making, I think has just been a vindication, I suppose, of, you know, the idea that you take your time when you're making something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm very, very glad that she took the time to make this. And I, every time I listen to it, I hear something new. I'm overcome by how much I love it. You know, my favourites kind of shift from time to time, but right now my favourite is um, the track called Junie, which is like this kind of really kind of fun It's also my favourite song. It's just <laughs> wonderful. So I mean, you know, Andre 3000's in there, just sparse. from the mother and you know, every time he does that little falsetto, mm. jump on it. I'm like, okay, I will, Andre. I will jump on it. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was Andre, and I'm now very good at yeah. identifying now him usually. You know. All the cameos are just slight but enough. I, ha- I had no enough. idea. Perfect. Nothing the overwhelming. The little Wayne cameo, yes. just enough. Yes. I did write something uh, about this on BuzzFeed.com, the website, um, and it's an essay called A Seat at the Table Contemplates Black Lives Contradictions. And I just think how wonderful it is that somebody can take the time to craft something. And I think the important word is craft, where she took the time to kind of make something and then to make it good and to choose artistry to, 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 you know, give it the space to breathe and become. It's such a it's such a complete work of art. This is all, you know, to, to the to the end result that Solange will meet me and we'll hug and become friends. I'm obviously. sure that's, that is inevitable. <laughs> Thank that's you. inevitable. Thanks I believe, for believing I believe. in my dream, guys. Thanks. So. So uh, you guys both talked about topic stuff, but I'm going to tell you something weird that I did this week, mm. what I, I'm thinking about. Mm. So I read something by Sally Tamarkin, who works on BuzzFeed's health desk. That was the first time I ever heard of butter coffee. 16 ounces of coffee, tablespoon of butter, and a tablespoon of like coconut oil or like some of the certain fats that are in coconut oil. Comes out really frothy. It tastes like a latte a little bit, but it's like a little bit less milky. It doesn't feel like greasy or anything. I know, it sounds disgusting. <laughs> I dr- drank it before going to a Smash Brothers tournament, which yeah. is something I do every week. I go to a Smash Brothers tournament and compete, and I did it before Comic-Con. And it was so weird because it actually felt like a miracle because I went to this video <laughs> game tournament where I'm like, all right, I'll get, like, top 16 or whatever. I got third place in teams, and I beat, like, or fourth place. I know this is so ridiculous, but it's like I'm so excited about butter coffee. I teamed with this, like, 19-year-old kid, 
and we beat like a globally ranked team. They're like number three in the world. I'm like, it's butter coffee, man. Butter coffee changed my life. So you believe in the I'm magical, on the train. You believe in the magical powers of butter Surprisingly, coffee. and I never believe in food magic, but right now I do. And uh, at Comic-Con, I ju- that's all I had for breakfast at 11, and I get hungry quick. <laughs> I didn't eat anything the entirety of Comic-Con. I got home at 8 and 8 and was fine, just off of one off cup. Off of coffee. And a piece of toast. Interesting. Um, it's amazing. I feel like we're in like the 1950s doing a radio commercial. I know. It's so weird it's that I hate, coffee. I hate that I'm pro this. The, I the paying the bills I segment. Is that what this is? I don't is? like being, well, it's, you can make it at home. You can make it at home. You're just a shell for big coffee. We're going to play a few rounds of a game called Halal or Not. <laughs> uh, and it's uh, basically an over-under. So um, it's your own personal opinion about uh, whatever item I'm going to give you. And it's going to all be sort of fandom related. You guys are experts on uh, TV and media. You watch a lot more stuff than me. Um, and probably read more as well. <laughs> You're so modest, Amir. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah all right, Bim yeah. Rick Grimes. Oh, he is so halal. <laughs> Rick, who's Rick Grimes? Then? Rick Grimes is the lead character on uh, AMC's The Walking Dead. I love The Walking Dead and I love Rick Grimes. I would risk it all for Rick Grimes. I love him. At his core, he is essentially a basic white man. There's no two ways about it. There's nothing extraordinary or special about him. Like he was in... You know, he was in law enforcement before the zombie apocalypse, and now he's just, you know, leading team family through the wastelands of, you know, Southern America. But as played by Andrew Lincoln, he is imbued with so many wonderful qualities. <laughs> and most of them, most of the qualities live in his beard, which I want to <laughs> snuggle into. I am obsessed. He does have a great beard. He has a... In any, the hair situation? I'm here for it, bro. When he had the full Moses beard, you know, the big kind of mountain man beard, oh my God, I never thought I could fancy someone with a beard that big. Turns out you learn new things about yourself when you're watching The Walking Dead because I was like, oh, it turns out I still would. In fact, I, oh, mate, I can't, I'm, I'm overcome. I cannot speak anymore. I just love him. I think that was a great... Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, hardcore halal. That's my, that's my vote. <laughs> Hardcore halal. Uh, Abed, uh, the next one is Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, we're doing this again. Yeah, this it's a terrible movie. So you can we can go. We can I go think it's it. all right. First of all, Superman would not let his dad die. Watching, just watching, <laughs> let his dad die. I'm sorry if this is a spo- like a spoiler to anyone that hasn't watched the movie, but it sucks. So you shouldn't watch it anyway. It's the reason DC has just done bad movie after bad movie, and they started with a bad movie, and they just continue doing bad movies. They made a worse movie afterwards, which is called Batman vs. Superman, which you no. love for some reason. I don't love. I defended it saying it was, by all accounts, it's a it's probably a worse movie, but I think like it does more interesting things. Man of Steel is just stupid. Like Nothing about it makes any sense. <laughs> no, it totally no, makes sense. No, it doesn't. I, we we've had this <laughs> argument it doesn't. before. Also, like, it has these weird weird moments where like Zack Snyder is like, you know what? I'm going to try to make this like kind of peaceful art movie, and then it just like... 
here's like 40 minutes of destruction, destroying an entire city with these two guys fighting, right? And it's like, none of it makes any sense. His motivations make no sense. What are we doing? Mm. <laughs> this could go for yeah. a long time. I, I don't believe, I don't believe for a second that. But he, the villain made sense, at least. Uh, General Zod, you know, uh, he was trying to protect his people and he was willing to do genocide for it. I mean, as opposed to Lex standard, Luthor. It's kind of a standard comic. Right. Like, yeah, but sure. Pro- but Lex Luthor in Batman versus Superman. No, the he, but he's a psychopath. Makes no it's sense. different. Like, he's, he's an egomaniac, right? He was trying to get Batman and Superman to kill each other for what reason? I, I don't Do you know. remember? I don't know. I explained Zod in one <laughs> sentence, and you couldn't even explain oh, the main. Your face just said kind of like, uh, I no. couldn't tell you. I, you know what? I, I think all of us would agree, or probably like 90% of the population would agree that Zack Snyder's not a good No, he's not good. I agree with that. I think yeah. he's a bad man for culture. So in conclusion, Man of Steel. Seventh level of hell haram. <laughs> We're never going to agree on this. So next up, Bim. Bruce Wayne. Oh, the most haram. Ah, completely uh. not halal. Bruce Wayne is terrible. He is this, terrible. This deserves a longer topic. It does. <laughs> I know. I know. Because I can literally sit here and talk about all these things with you guys. Bruce for like, sucks. Yeah, Bruce Wayne sucks. Bruce However, Wayne he's like, you know, a lost orphan who has probably PTSD. I don't know, fam. Like, <laughs> on the other hand, though, screw that guy. This billionaire dickhead. Nah, nah, he's, he's not halal. So I'm going to give a chutbah, <laughs> which I always laugh when I say this. It's about Bim and I basically went to New York City Comic Con last month. And if you're not familiar with cons, they're just a thing where a bunch of fans and creators get into a big hall and they, you know, they just collect together. And the big thing is that people dress up as their favorite characters. It's called cosplay. Um, so I went to find the Muslim presence at the con. It was my first Comic Con. I've been to other cons, but first Comic-Con. And, you know, I have been a fan of comic books since I was a kid. But, like, when I was, like, five or six, I was just, like, always obsessed with things. First, I liked cars and then birds and then dinosaurs. I was in those fandoms. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'll get the the books and, like, read them. If this answer's not Land Before Time, then I'm I'm walking (laughs) out of here. Of course I was a Land Before Time stan. And then (laughs) I got into X-Men. And I love the X-Men because even though I probably didn't totally understand the significance of the race or sexuality metaphor that's so common now that people understand now, I definitely felt like the kids that I grew up with in the Midwest, like the kids of color that I grew up with, we felt like we were the X-Men. We were a bunch of misfits who didn't fit in with the white kids, and we didn't really fit in with each other, but we were united by our difference from the rest of the world. So I started reading X-Men, but I never really expected a Muslim X-Men. Uh, I don't think there really were any in the 90s. But then, of course, 9-11 happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, a Muslim character did show up in uh, the X-Men comics. She was Afghani, which, of course, she was. Um, her name was Suraya Qadir. Uh, she wore a black niqab. And they called it a burqa, which it wasn't. And her powers were to turn into sand. Jesus Christ. I know. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> it's like, come on. Come up with a better power. 
Um, end of the issue, she debuts. Professor Xavier stops some Pakistani terrorists from hijacking his plane by getting in their head. Wolverine fights a bunch of like brown screaming men in turbans with AK-47s from selling dust into slavery. He like cuts their hands off. It's very white savory-ish. It's bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was horrible. So, of course, there was a lot of fanfare when Kamal Khan was announced in 2014. Um, and if you don't know her, she, I mean, I know you guys do, but for the audience, she's one of the most popular new superheroes Marvel has put out in the recent years. She's the daughter of two Pakistan immigrants, like me, <laughs> and is born and raised in New Jersey. And she gets these powers to stretch and change shapes. She's not a mutant. I think she should be, but, you know, Marvel politics. And she struggles with faith and family, you know, immigrant kid stuff. And unlike Dust, she feels like a character who was developed as a character and not as a response like we need a Muslim character. So going to Comic-Con, I was thinking about Ms. Marvel and what she means. So I went to find Kamal Khan cosplayers. But what was really interesting was most of the Kamal Khan cosplayers I met weren't even Muslim. There was Indians, Guyanese, black, white, native Kamal Khan cosplayers. And we can listen to some of them now. I am dressed as Kamala Khan today, uh, the issue one cover. It's like a it's like a t-shirt that I bought at the We Love Fine booth and I cut it into a crop top because I can't buy a t-shirt without cutting it into a crop top. And uh, jeans, boots, and uh, the iconic pashmina. I've been waiting 30 years for a character that I can cosplay as. You know, it's like a South Asian, like kind of nerdy, very enthusiastic girl who is like, bridging that gap between her ethnic identity and her kind of homegrown identity. Had I read this as a teenager, I would have been like, oh, it's possible to be part of the overarching like capital C culture and be like weird and interesting and funny and like decide what parts of that you get to keep and what parts of that you get to discard. So I see Kamala and I see like, you know, a bundle of joy. Like I want to see me there, like as I am, like leather jacket, you know, combat boots, you know, like, and I want to be like a badass. I want to walk into a room and I am, I'm a badass already. I mean, I walk into a room and people know who I am. I want that in media, like not just print, not just like video, I, I want it everywhere. I'm not, I'm not Muslim, I'm Hindu, um, but I am first gen, my parents immigrated from India. Uh, and something about Kamala is that, that I think a lot of first gens identify with is that bridging of the identity and not knowing kind of where you stand. Like there's, in the first issue, I remember, she, when the Terrigen Mist hits her, she turns into Miss Marvel. And it's not necessarily an exciting moment for her, it's a frightening moment because all of a sudden she's this beautiful white blonde woman and you know when I was little I desperately wanted to be a little white blonde girl because that was what goodness looks like but her reaction to that was not like oh thank god I'm white it was oh my god oh my god oh my god like what's happening which is just like lovely to see on the page the most valuable thing about the um Kamala Khan book is that she like really thinks about aspects of like Muslim culture and they see identity that she wants to keep and what parts of it she decides are irrelevant to her and I think like having the ability to make that choice and shape your own identity is something we never get to see when brown people are represented represented in traditional narratives so like the agency of that is like probably the most important thing to me in that book.
I asked, I'm going to ask you guys the same question I asked all the different cosplayers and also creators. Who is the first character in media who you ever identified with? Let's start with you, Bim. Um, I, I mean, I, I've had this question before and I've never really, I never really formulated a perfect answer um, because I, I don't know, I've been, I've basically been absorbing media since I think, you know, since I opened my eyes, like I'm such a, yeah, my, my eyes are pretty much square from staring at screens like all the time. So I think about this in terms of in, in two ways. I grew up between continents. So I grew up in London and also in uh, Lagos, Nigeria. So I think I had like a really lucky break in that I was born in a place where I was a minority and then we moved to a place where I was distinctly not <laughs> in a minority. And you know, so the media I consumed in Lagos was very, very different to the media I consumed in London. Even so, though, I mean, there were lots of kind of Nigerian girls on Nigerian television. But a lot of the time, as a middle class Nigerian, you know, it was the Huxtables. Mm. <laughs> I watched a lot of The Cosby Show when I was a kid. And for me, Vanessa and Denise were like, you know, we had similarish lives. You know, we had a nice house. My parents loved us. Even though they had American accents and they lived in Brooklyn, that didn't really matter because it was like, oh, here are some black people that I that I know and get. But in terms of like African, like Nigerians, I had a wealth of that growing up where we did because we were, you know, not a minority. But, you know, in terms of like comics and stuff, who knows? The first comic I got super, super into, um, <laughs> oh God, was Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, the spirit of death. <laughs> I will take... Spirit of vengeance, sorry. <laughs> spirit of vengeance, uh... excuse you. I was deeply, deeply into Ghost Rider. I thought Ghost Rider was amazing. And now with hindsight, I look back and I'm like, were you high? <laughs> and I wasn't. I was just really, I thought the artwork was beautiful. Yeah. And I just Ghost Rider this, is you know, amazing design. Yeah, leather jacket. Yeah, uh... I was so into Ghost Rider, but you know that's not because I saw myself in Ghost Rider. I just thought Ghost Rider was cool as beans. Right. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Abed? Uh, I haven't. I don't think growing up I've ever really been like, wow, this is me as a TV character. Which is, I think it's like a tough thing to say because like a lot of times people will be like, I relate to this one aspect of a character, but like it doesn't necessarily mean like that's who I see myself as or this is what it is. And because, again, I think going back to the point where it's like a lot of times when there are like brown people, for example, on TV or like a Muslim character, they are just like there to be like the Muslim person or they're there to be like the brown person. It's very rare in situations where it's like they get to become like fully fleshed out characters or it's like there's very rare instances where it's like there's multiple people that fit that description where like you're like, okay, now we can forge differentiate these characters and have them be their own in their own things. Something you run into a lot and like growing up like growing up in in the U.S., like versus Bim, who's grown up in two different countries, one place where she definitely saw representation right. because that's the majority. Like I wouldn't say I ever had the same experience. And even like when I watch consume media from like Southeast Asia, it's I can't relate because again, like that's from people that grew up also in either Southeast Asia or often like London because you know a lot of Bollywood actors these days come from London yeah we are uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not even a little bit there and I'm kind of like yeah yeah we, we. <laughs> it's not about me but I, I, I pull myself back out I'm, apologies apologies I'm just d desperately proud of London for some reason please carry on <laughs> like obviously it's very different in like Asian media because like they embrace their own culture, right? And it's right. different, right? For like Western And there's media, not maybe like the anxieties around, right, you know, yeah. it's more, it's different when you're like in the majority to represent yourself right. than when you're presenting characters who are not. Right. And there's this weird idea, I think, that with a lot of white filmmakers and creators, people that work in pop culture or media or anything, they don't see 
like people of color as weird. Weird becomes this thing that's whiteness. Like look at a Wes Anderson movie, right? Like they're white distinctly. Like you would, most people, if you ask like a person of color, like what do you think of Wes Anderson? Like his movies are really white, right? But like doesn't mean the characters like are defined by like being white. Like you could just as easily have cast like a really weird person of color actor in those right. roles and get the same exact outcome. But right. because like for some reason, like I think he, he identifies being weird as just this idea of whiteness. So like therefore that's what he sees and that's what he presents where it's like there's Well, so I think many... his best character in that regard was probably the bellboy from Grand Budapest Hotel. He finally like found a character that wasn't like yeah, he had a lot yeah. of like these like servant uh weird characters yeah, who were right. pe- people of color but yeah. they're like they like weren't their own yes like hero I yeah. guess in a way you know yeah. I think about the weirdness thing a lot when mm-hmm. I'm thinking about um characters of color some of my weirdest friends growing up were hijabis mm-hmm. yeah like the weirdest kids and no one ever like you said you know they're there to be the Muslim character they're there to be the brown character and it's kind of like you know that's part of the reason why I love Atlanta. Yeah. Donald Glover's yes. new show where it's just kind of like eh we're everything we're right. all the things all the time yeah. right. and how you choose to kind of represent us is entirely up to you it's also why I love um, Issa Rae who has a TV show on HBO at the moment called Insecure and she made this web series years back called Awkward Black Girl she writes black characters as I know them to be as I know black people to be in real life now if you look at most media you will find a very very similar story of you know sassy, dancing, you know, finger snapping, hey girl, those people, which exists. Of course they exist. But to have that as the exclusive story of what black femininity or black womanhood looks like, and then you look at it, it's just kind of like, oh, they're awkward and they tell bad jokes and Mm -hmm. they, you know, they can't dance and they, not to say you should be one or the other. I just love this. I want there to be just a plurality of identities. And I think that for me is the, is the biggest issue. It's not so much about finding myself. It's about essentially seeing lots of versions of myself. You know, right. you know, we all kind of act differently in different situations. Yeah. And sometimes you want to see the weirder part of yourself or you want to see the quiet part or whatever. You yeah. know, these things are fine, but here are other here are 12 other versions right. of right. essentially the same character. And, and like a good thing about Atlanta, like, is, okay, so it, often if it's the show creators white, right? Poor means, or like, People of color means gritty. That's it. That's what they see, right? Mm-hmm. Atlanta, like the tone doesn't have to be gritty. Like poor people are the same people as rich. Right, they, you know, like right. like yeah, growing up is different. So like for your mindset, how you grow up, that changes, right? But like people are just as weird and different. And it's not exclusive to white filmmakers or white. No, no, creators. you're totally, yeah. totally. You know, I look at for example the Mindy Project, which I love, but it's the most flawed thing. Totally. You know, so Mindy casts herself as you know the Mindy. Uh, what's her surname? Mindy Lahiri, mm-hmm. and she's fantastic. I love Mindy Lahiri. I find her just obnoxious and arrogant and horrible, and she's hilarious. She's just this really great character. And then next to her, she casts. Um, I forget her name now. The nurse character. Yeah, yeah. Who's like this? Again, I'm sure women like her exist is not a problem. But she's, you know, she crumps and she sings loudly and she's kind of bad at her job. And I just kept thinking, ah, Mindy, please. Like, and again, you know, we've spoken about this before, Ahmed, about us placing unnecessarily huge expectations right. on creators of color. I get that. Right. But I just kept thinking, Jesus, this is such a simple thing that you don't have to have the black character be crumping. And to her credit, she did kind of, you know, improve the character in later seasons. But I remember seeing her and my whole body spasming from just irritation. Like, are you serious right now, Mindy? So actually bringing this conversation back around to Comic-Con, there were quite a few people who I talked to who brought up Mindy Kaling as the first time they'd seen somebody who looks like them on TV. 
Uh, let's listen to a little bit of what they said. Probably the first time I felt any kind of kinship to a character was when I saw Mindy Kaling on The Office as Kelly Kapoor. And it's not so much that I was ever like Kelly Kapoor, um, but just because she was like showing people a different side of like what an Indian woman could be like. Like before in the media, it was either overly sexualized or like, you know, wife of a deli owner. But Kelly Kapoor was like weirdly arrogant and selfish and I loved all of that because she was like so aggressively into who she was and that was like both aspirational and inspirational. I've been to one other con and I've been to like lots of different places where I could have cosplayed, but I've never wanted to. But what was really powerful for me is seeing the wide range of the way people of color and Muslims and black folk were were inhabiting these different characters and making them their own. Absolutely. And that was so powerful to me. I had like, I did the Ms. Marvel one. That was the first thing I did. And I did something very simple. You know, I wore the issue one black shirt with a scarf and rings and mm-hmm. people recognized me. You know, I had somebody go, Kamal, which is like <laughs> the male version of Kamal. Yeah. Right? Kamal's my cousin's you know? name. Yeah. I love it. You know, so it was like cool to see that people were seeing me as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized like now that I've done the thing where I feel like I'm inhabiting this character that's like sort of like me, mm. that I can branch out and experience those other things. And I'm yeah. excited to a little bit. I never wanted to cosplay. Right. I was very much in the same boat and I couldn't give you a specific reason as to why I wouldn't cosplay because I'm, you know, I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it, I'm a fan. So I have deep, deep ties to the things that I love. So it would make sense for me to cosplay. But like you, I felt some kind of weird reticence and I just thought, eh, we'll leave it. But this year was the first year I dressed as well. Tell us about your costume. I went as Gwendolyn from Saga, which is uh, a comic book series. I love that series, first of all. It's by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples and it's beautiful. First of all, it's it's a beautiful... So gorgeous. They do such beautiful work, like on pure kind of aesthetic. Like you're just kind of like, oh, okay, this is gorgeous. And the character Gwendolyn is like this badass Olivia Pope but can fight. And it's just, you know, she wears all white. She has this halo of Afro hair. She is just, oh, she's amazing. I love her. Um, and so this year, I, 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 went to, I went to the shops. I found me a white blazer, some white shorts, a little bit of ribbon, like tie around my thigh. I made the stuff that she carries. So I went to a hardware store. I bought a 72-inch dowel. <laughs> I came home. I sat down. I, was, I remember the telly was on and I was like, can you, be- I am 34 years old in a few weeks and I am making a costume like a child. And I was like, I'm here for it. I love it. I love fandom. And people came up to me, kind of like, Saga, right? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. I thank you for noticing that I did this. <laughs> you know, I bumped into another another Gwendolyn and she had the act, because I didn't wear the horns, because Gwendolyn has horns in the, in the comic. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't find the right size horns. So I just, <laughs> sounds such a weird sentence to say. <laughs> I couldn't find the right size of horns. So I didn't have horns. But I found this girl very close to the Javits Centre, which is where Comic-Con took place. And she had the horns. And I was like, hi, I love your cosplay. And she was like, thank you. There aren't many Gwendolyns this year, blah, blah, blah. And I was so, I was in such a fan space that I opened up my phone. I was like, do you want to see my cosplay? <laughs> <laughs> and the greatest thing about fans is she was like, yeah. So I opened up my phone and I was like, look, it's me. And she was like oh my god two Gwendolyn's it was wonderful and it was such a really nice moment of community between these two black girls on the street just nerding out about one character I thought that was wonderful so I was actually talking to Pim at Comic-Con and uh, then we like 
saw one really amazing yeah. Storm cosplayer. We were talking about, oh, Comic-Con's amazing, blah, blah, blah. Representation. Representation. And then literally, as if by the gods of serendipity, <laughs> a black girl uh, who had like this white afro and she was carrying like a storm cloud umbrella and she just walked past and we were like, oh my God, storm. And then I kind of left you standing there and I was like, can I get a photo of you? <laughs> and then I got a photo of her and then as I was kind of walking away, a second storm. Do you remember like the she second storm? She saw her and she, she was like, her. can I can, right, I, can I take right. a photo with you, please? And she was in awe. She was like, oh my God. And then she kind of came to her and she had like and the she was bad. She had like a mohawk. She was, was a real it. badass. Real badass. So like, Leather, the yeah, 80s storm. 80s yeah. storm. What I loved also was that they both kind of found one another and then without any prior conversation just posed in these amazing <laughs> poses. Yeah, like right. with the arms with out, the arms. summoning the lightning. It was amazing. Uh, That's why it made me so happy. <laughs> just like, All right. I feel like I spent most of my time interacting with this stuff on the internet. There's Tumblr and stuff where like people of color have really you know strong voices and are able to talk about their own experience. Like I had such bad experiences with like racism and not finding other people who identified like me online that it was so like cool to be not only a person of color engaging in this thing like to be recognized by other people of color and be able to talk about it i haven't been to a con i I have dressed up before like for for school things like you know i think my first ever costume was actually like like my mom this is like my mom helping me make a costume to be like one of the Power Rangers it was it was like Power as a kid Rangers. it was so you know you know again obviously there wasn't any like brown characters in the Power Rangers but like it was great it was awesome like it was nice to like dress up and be somebody that you're just like and, and I didn't wear the mask you know which is yeah. the, you know I'm a kid so I, was, I obviously wasn't a conscious decision but I'm like glad I didn't wear the mask I, like I was fortunate I went to a pretty like diverse elementary school so it was like everyone that was dressing up was probably going out of like their element because they're dressing up as something that was on TV and chances are it wasn't like how they were represented or how they saw themselves but like the idea of just at that age it's like you know this is cool to me I mean growing up I, f- I feel like I never saw representations of the fullness of being an immigrant child of that experience but a lot of people I talked to at Comic-Con told me that they felt like it was getting better Do you guys agree with that or is it not getting better? (laughs) I think inevitably television takes time. Mm. Yeah. And as much as television is like this far ranging medium, I think there are other places that you can find these stories. Um, A lot of the time, you know, look to comics. There are all these smaller imprints. You know, people are doing independent stuff. People are making stuff Mm -hmm. to represent themselves. You know, Yeah, that came up a lot too. I mean, I think a lot of the Marvel stuff is like, Mm. it's a symbol. You know, it's like, you know, and that matters. That does matter. Symbols Mm -hmm. matter, but it also doesn't mean that it doesn't exist elsewhere. It's more of like a a, a Marvel's more of just like a status arrival thing where it's like it's made it to to this, you know. And maybe we should be hesitant. Doesn't mean like Muslims aren't showing up as terrorists in like every other Marvel book possibly, you know? Right. Again, to go back to that thing about the plurality of stories, you want there to be black and brown people, you want there to be broader representations. And again, there are so many things you can fold into that as well. Like, we talk a lot about race and, you know, religion here, but of course you're thinking about things along the lines of disability. I think about Marvel and in many ways how far it's come on stories of black people, but then it's doing a really shit job on Asians. Mm-hmm. 
Totally. And it's fine for us to kind of go, yay, Black Panther, yay, Luke Cage, but then kind of go, ah, guys, what the Doctor hell is Doctor Strange? Strange. <laughs> right? So, you know... When they've when, whitewashed all right, the Asian characters, right. which were already stereotypes, basically, right. or like it's, mystical. Right. I just pretend like it doesn't exist. Right, yeah. you have the chance to make something <laughs> yeah. better, and you kind of went, now we're going to double down on this shitstorm. And it's kind of like, guys, don't do this. So I'm all for applauding the things that they do well, but criticising the things that they do quite poorly, which I think is a fair thing, and so we have to kind of keep pushing... If you had a budget, we're going to do this in 45 seconds each, okay? Oh, God. If you had a budget and infinite, you could cast anyone, you could uh, use any franchise, what sort of story would you write, direct, or produce? Uh, Let's start with you. Okay. I I would do, don't laugh, I would do a space disco, right? Yes. Starring, (laughs) this is my ideal cast, Vin Diesel, Beyonce, Tilda Swinton, Will C. Snipes, and Jackie Chan as DJ. Yes. And and because he's my problematic favorite, mainly because he's he's an awesome actor and terrible person, Tom Cruise as like a... a, (laughs) A drug dealer slash like space mechanic. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. That's amazing. You know, and we and the entire thing will be set to just strictly ABBA songs. You know, that's it. Like oh that's the only God. thing. But like the whole point is like the idea of like one, it's like a you know pretty like well run the cast, and there'll be a lot of other people. But like also like the idea of that space is not this thing that people just go there and they die. You know, like I like the idea of having it's actually set in space. It's a space disco set in space with like. You know, it'll be about actual <laughs> disco issues. Not disco issues. issues? Yes. Yes. There are issues. There are disco issues, you know? Well, uh, we'll there let, we'll, are disco issues. Yeah, and like, we'll, we won't, you know, save it. Because that's going to be made one day. Don't give I away wish. all your ideas. I wish. I don't, I, I don't think so, but it will. I hope. I, hope. I want Hollywood to take a hard listen to this episode <laughs> and throw all the money they can at Avid. Like, uh, me too, me too. Just throw the money at him. Let him make it. How about my you, ben? One, Listen, okay, so my number one genre of all time of all time, is romantic comedy. I know that makes me a weird, uh, you know, it's no longer the thing. And so something I've been talking about for years, I found this on my Twitter feed going back to something like 2012, so where I proposed a rom-com drama TV show starring <laughs> John Cho, who is Bay. <laughs> I love John Cho. And Nicole Bahari from Sleepy Hollow. Mm. We're not going to talk about Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> um, but I want them to be a couple and they move to uh, New England and they open up a B&B and they have like two dogs and it's just beautiful. It's like this really sweet, you know, moments of small drama here and there. And it's just like, you know. What, what channel is it? Gonna, it's a movie? Sorry. No, no, it's a TV, TV show. What, it's a TV what channel? show. I mean, I, I have this in my mind as some kind of network thing, but it doesn't have to be. It can be anywhere. Just I just want I want this to be something that is really kind of real and beautiful and, you know, two people of colour. Yeah, yeah. Which An is... interracial relationship that doesn't have a white person in it. Amazing. Amazing. Imagine, <laughs> imagine. Imagine. And I just, right? And they'll be in, you know, New England and it'll be just this beautiful B&B and they would have all these quirky characters who would turn up. Like one week, Nicole's sister, played by, I don't know, Gabrielle Union would turn up. <laughs> and then, you know, John Cho's cousin would pop up. Like, it would just be great. And it would I would be, watch the hell right? out of that. This yeah. is what I think. And so, listen, so, I've never I'm written s- a screenplay, but I'm ready to write one, fam. Send me the money. Send them all the money, yes, both of them. Please. It's been so good having you guys here and just geeking out it's over been here. Wonderful. Yeah, it's been awesome. Bim, it's been so good to have you. Please come on again. We could just do. I can do this all day. Excellent. I I am still ready to talk about Man of Steel. Like I'm still <laughs> not ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. At the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll do it when the the microphones are off because yeah. it's gonna get dirty. Yeah. <laughs>
So, if you were totally confused by all the names and characters we dropped during this episode, I put together a post for you guys that you can find on the See Something, Say Something page on BuzzFeed, uh, where you can see images and get a little bit more information about uh, everything we talked about today. That's at buzzfeed.com slash see something, say something. This episode of See Something, Say Something was produced by Eleanor Kagan and Megan Dietrich. The BuzzFeed Audio Pod Squad also includes Julia Furlan and Meg Kramer. Additional production support by Tabir Achter. Thanks to Charles Di Montebello from CDM Sound Studios. Our music is by The Caminas. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RadBrownDads, and I have a Tumblr also called RadBrownDads. You can find my writing at BuzzFeed.com slash Ahmed Ali Akbar. That's Ahmed, A-H-M-E-D. You can email us at SaySomething at BuzzFeed.com. And if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes. Thank you for listening. And then probably like the really most interesting last person I talked to was I talked to this Muslim family. The mom and dad were pretty young and they had dressed up their whole family as royalty, kings, queens, princes, and princesses. They were wearing hijabs, abayas, kafayas, very just visibly Muslim. Who made your costumes? When I asked them who made their costumes, they said, Allah. Allah. <laughs> it was amazing. That's my favorite thing I've ever heard. It's so cute. <laughs>